When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Powerhouse Fitness Newcastle, your home fitness store where you can save up to 50% off home fitness equipment in their biggest ever sale. Visit your local Newcastle store on Percy Street or visit www.powerhouse-fitness.co.uk. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove today, joined by Chris Swaff and only Chris Swaff. Yeah, solo effort today, well, duo. The, uh, the snow is having an adverse effect on people getting into the building, so it is just Chris Swaff to talk about Newcastle United and all things Newcastle United. Will the snow sp- has stopped for a little bit, though, just as we speak, the before, but at the minute, we're, we're looking alright. It's very intermittent, isn't it? Yeah. It is all over the shop, and I would just like some sunshine now, I think. I think everyone would, but I'm, I'm not sure the forecast is going to back that up, I'm afraid. However, should the weatherman say three points or some snow, I'll take three points. Uh, we should, we'll talk about Bournemouth firstly, obviously. It would have been great going into this game against Liverpool on Saturday on the back of three points. And it should have been three points, first half, you know, the very good Newcastle. Second half, not so much. Um, there's one man that everyone has focused on. Now we do know John Joe Shelley had a knee injury. We'll start there. How did you look at his performance and what did you think of it? Well, first of all, I'm just quite glad the podcast has actually come a bit later in the week this week because I think it's allowed some of the dust to settle from last weekend. As we say, it should have been three points. No one's trying to hide from that fact. But I wrote after the game, and I maintain it now, that if before the match, if you looked at the context, if you'd offered Newcastle United fans a point and four points from the games against Man United and Bournemouth, I think the vast majority of them would have taken it, and rightly so. Yes, it was two points dropped in the context of the game itself. They were 2 0 up, they were coast, and they were looking very, very good until that 79th minute. Shelby misses the chance, the momentum completely swung, bit of a screamer from Smith. I think Dubravka still looked a bit dazed from what happened just before, and suddenly, as soon as that goal went in, it, the game was only going one way. And if the game had gone on much longer, I think Newcastle would probably have lost it as well. So, small mercies that it did happen so late in the game, really. In terms of John Joe Shelby, we now know he does have a knee injury. He also, I understand, has been taking some painkilling injections over the last few weeks for, for another muscular problem. So he hasn't been necessarily 100% fit. Still unsure whether he's going to be available to start against Liverpool on Saturday. I'd say it's doubtful, but we'll find out from Rafa Benitez tomorrow. And But even taking all that into consideration, I think that, that some of the, the scenes we saw in terms of him bending over and not always following his man. I can understand where the criticism came from. It doesn't look great on camera. I remember when he first moved to Newcastle, one of his last few games for Swansea, Wade Oxford had been a similar sort of situation where he'd stood at the edge of a box and let someone run past him. But I have to be honest, when I was writing my five things during the game itself, before the incident with Shelby uh, in terms of the missed chance, I'd been writing about how brilliant he was and how I wanted to, to make it clear that for 70, 75 minutes, he was excellent. And I, I don't just mean an attacking sense. Obviously, we saw the ball for the first goal to release Richie down the right. 
but also in terms of working hard in the middle, just like he had done against Man United. Him and Diarmi have got a very good understand at the moment, and those last 10 minutes and the injury have, have soured that somewhat, but I do think that for a player who rightly has received a lot of criticism this season for certain issues like the red card in the season, I think that he has developed most of his all-round game and take those final 10 minutes out, I do think he was very good. Does the knee injury and the, the painkillers, does that excuse the lack of effort in the last 10 minutes? I know on social media it's, people are a bit divided. My personal opinion is that he still looked like he was moving okay and you know you should be really fighting the death if you're on the pitch just you got to kind of get through it you know the whistle was about to go I don't think it does fully excuse it because if he'd been that bad um, Newcastle didn't make the third substitution until the 80 something minute so if he had really felt it up to that stage it was certainly after this, the first Bournemouth goal so if he had felt something and felt he couldn't continue then he should have gone to the bench and said look I can't continue here the fact that he didn't made, makes me think or believe that he wanted to be on the pitch and he thought he'd contribute something. So in that sense, it doesn't fully excuse it. But on seeing that, clearly his, his movement was impaired slightly. He went off the pitch. He, to be honest, when he came off the pitch, I thought he just had his head held because of, of what had happened. But I think that there was a slight limp there as well. So obviously there were some issues in terms of the knee and the painkilling injections. So it, it, it's a difficult one in that sense and I think that the only way you can atone really is when he comes back into the team, be it this weekend or later on, as we're going to talk about, there's going to be a big gap at some point so hopefully he's going to he'll be back by the Huddersfield game at the latest. Um, he makes a big impact again because as I say, I think his form has really improved the last few weeks. He is starting to mature and develop and really when he's on the pitch and playing well, Newcastle are a better team for it. And why do you think Newcastle didn't hold on to that lead? Was it Shelby's mistakes? Was it just laziness maybe uh, in him or the team just lost their focus? It was a combination of a lot of things because for 75 minutes I thought that Newcastle's discipline and organisation was excellent. Bournemouth had had a few opportunities that attacked Paul Dummett down the left and, and really tried to overload that side and got crosses in the box in the first 15 minutes. But as soon as Dwight Gale put the first goal in, it, Newcastle were really in total control until that final 10 minute period. Um, I think that leadership was lacking in those last 10-15 minutes they looked like a bit of panic Benitez hinted at it himself speaking after the game and saying we have a lack of experience in this squad and I think that was obvious it's been known all season but the fact that they just didn't quite know how to close out that game and once they conceded the first goal it should have been right we're not losing this game we're not going on the offensive but we're not. We're just not going to lose this game and it, people they dropped deeper and deeper and deeper and people lost their markers um, and as much as Benitez wants to say not himself, I, I thought that the, the substitutions didn't help, not in the fact that he made this, the substitutions, I think that some of the players did look tired, it was more the substitutions almost invited more pressure on. He would argue that he didn't want the team to sit as deep, but when you bring on Isaac Hayden for a striker and when you don't, when you've got the likes of Hossler on the bench, who could in theory hold the ball and who didn't come on, I think that that did impact on things. The first substitution... Atsu had a field day, I thought he was brilliant when he first came on, really breaking him behind, tore Francis apart just as he had done at St James's earlier in the season, but the substitutions after that negatively affected Newcastle and I think it was just panic set in and hopefully they will learn a lot from that game. The defensive organisation which they've had over the last few weeks away from home deserted them in those 10 minutes and if they do that on field this weekend then they're going to be in trouble so they need to make sure that, that they re regain that focus and hopefully regain some confidence as well so criticism maybe 
on Benitez's part for those substitutions, do you think? I think everyone's collective responsibility. So, in my opinion, yes, Benitez does need to, to take some responsibility for that. He would argue, and I know he has argued privately, that he didn't want Newcastle to sit as deep. He didn't want them to be as negative as they seemed to be in those last five, ten minutes. But he brought on those subs and... and Either the message didn't get through to them with the subs coming on and the team did sit deeper as you naturally do when you're under pressure and they didn't have the desired effect. They didn't close the game out for Newcastle so collective responsibility in the managers included within that. I mean, they had chances to kill the game off. Iozzi Perez, how did he get that over the bar from where he was? I think it was possibly an easier chance than the Shelby chance. Obviously, the Shelby chance, uh, you know, the, I think Nathan Ake... Put him off enough to put it. Yeah, all I, th- I think that was a, a bit of him and a bit of Atsu in that one because I thought Atsu should have a played it earlier or b shot, and I think that he dallied and didn't know which to do. Eventually, gave it to Shelby. By which time Nathan Aki had come back a little bit. So as much criticism as Shelby's got, I've just praised Atsu because I thought he made a huge impact. But I do think his decision making at that point wasn't quite there. And yeah, they should have taken a shot on or given it a little bit earlier to Shelby, and then that would have taken Aki out of the equation. But it goes back to. The thing we've been seeing all season is the lack of, you know, not being clinical enough in front of the goal. You know, that's two points dropped, and again, it's it's because Newcastle haven't taken the chances. We saw it against Bournemouth up at St James's Park. There should have been maybe two, three goals up. Didn't take the chances, and we've seen it time and time again. But what more can Rafael Benitez do to to make sure that doesn't happen? I mean, other than get them practicing twelve hours a day, kicking a ball into the back of the net, there's not much you can do. There isn't much you can do. To a large extent that was true at Bournemouth, but I think that one positive was that Dwight Gale took his goals very well. I thought his all-round game was very, very good, one of the best all-round displays I've seen him have for Newcastle. He held the ball up well, brought teammates into play. Looks like he's really enjoying himself at the minute out there. And Yes, first goal got a little bit lucky with the keeper, but had the composure to finish it, a lovely back heel at the end. The second goal in the right place, gambled, being on the back post, and again the keeper, I don't know what he's doing. but. Gill was there to put it in the back of the net. So in that sense, hopefully if he's got a bit of confidence and, and can continue with that, if he can start scoring goals, we know as a natural finisher, um, he, he has that ability. He's been questioned about what he can do in the, in the Premier League, but starting to hopefully show he can. Yes, the rest of the team need to be more clinical. Richie's still only got one goal this season. Shelby's still only got one league goal. All these players need to be adding a lot more to the game and, and help it out going forward. Atsu doesn't score enough. Perez doesn't score enough. And that is a concern. And with Islam Slomani, we're unlikely to see him, I don't think, until the end of this month when Newcastle hosts Huddersfield. So he's going to miss, certainly tomorrow, Saturday's game, probably going to miss Southampton. And with the Spurs game having now been postponed, it seems like Slomani could play for Algeria before he plays for Newcastle, which would be, I'm sure, a frustration for Newcastle and um, Benitez himself hopefully he can still have an impact in those last 6-7 games when he does play but until then it is just trying to be more clinical Benitez has warned all season this was the case and I suppose if you leave it until the final day of the window to sign an injured striker that's the situation you're going to have and Newcastle have got themselves in this position and they're just going to have to try and start to be more clinical in the coming weeks it, it, you'd say this weekend's game they're going to do very well to get anything from it, but then Southampton and Huddersfield are going to be two massive games, particularly given that Newcastle aren't going to be playing FA Cup quarter-final weekend, whereas some of their rivals will be. Definitely a nice new haircut as well for Dwight Gale to go along with the newfound form. 
which I know has gone down well on social media. How does Benitez deal with throwing the, the, the two goal lead away, throwing the two points away? Because it would have felt like a loss. You know, how does he deal with that in this week? Obviously, the, the training and, and stuff. I mean, is it just business as usual, or will he be looking at it and analysing it and saying, well, you know, we should have tightened up here, we should have killed the game there, or will he just say, look, two, you know, maybe two mistakes, not putting the ball in the back of the net, not chasing the back there, two mistakes, it's simple stuff. It doesn't always happen, we'll put it down to, to you know, a, a miscellaneous kind of event on the pitch. Well, I know for a fact that he was very disappointed privately. He tried to keep it together in his press conferences after the game, although I think his poker face wasn't great because he didn't seem that happy. But I know privately he was, he was just disappointed in the manner, the fact that Newcastle sat so deep and lost complete control. I think if it had been two screamers, I know the first goal was, but say if the second goal had just been screamed, but, but Newcastle were just under the cosh completely in the last 10, 15 mm. minutes. And I think that's what really concerned him and, and really worried him. This week in training, and he'll have spoken to the players, and he'll do what he always does, and that's to show them clips from the game, but not just tell them what they should have done. He'll show them clips and ask them what they thought they should have done. He likes to teach it. He wants them to learn, and it's been a learning process all season, a long and laborious one, because this Newcastle team is very inexperienced, both at Premier League level and a lot of the players age-wise. So all he can do is try and drum it into them. There's only 10 games left in the season. They're still making these mistakes, but... At the moment, they are on course for survival. So, it, 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 I think he very much will try to put that out of their minds and just ask them to concentrate on what they've done so well against Manchester United and in other games recently. They've only lost two of the last eight games, both of which were against Man City. Might even be lying, even. It's ten, is it? It's ten, ten, is it? Two, only lost two of the last two ten. Two in the last ten. Yes, they haven't won too many of those, but they are picking up points. Um, they're one of the form teams in the league and... There are many teams in the bottom half picking up a greater number of points in Newcastle at the moment. So there are so many positives to look for. And I think to a certain extent, you will encourage the players to put that out of their mind because the fact of the matter is that was 10, 15 minutes capitulation in what has been one and a half, two months of largely positive play. No, definitely. And just final question on Bournemouth. Their spending power, you know, Nathan Aki, I think 20 million, Tyrone Mings, 18 million. The way they've spent the market, the way they've added players to their squad, it proves just how important it is to be in the Premier League next season for Newcastle United. It does, and it's interesting because the season when Newcastle went down that summer, Matt Ritchie moved to Newcastle and there was a lot of stuff from Eddie Howe at the time saying that Bournemouth simply couldn't match the wages and financial terms Newcastle had offered. But Newcastle then spent a season with a Premier League budget in the Championship, Bournemouth got another year of the big TV deal in the tables have turned this over this season and Bournemouth have been able to spend the big money on Aki and the likes and how Newcastle are playing catch-up. It's crucial Newcastle survives so that they can start putting that sort of money in, into the transfer market this summer because Nathan Aki, as decent enough as a player he is, three years ago if you'd said £20 million for Nathan Aki, I think most people would have laughed. Now it's almost the going rate for a reasonable, if unproven, Premier League up-and-coming English player. Newcastle need to start acting in that ballpark because that would have actually broken Newcastle's transfer record. That is the that is the market that it is now. And if Newcastle go down, then they really are going to find themselves up against it because they need a, they need to be back in the Premier League with this sort of money to start playing catch up. And the longer you're out of that, the harder it's going to get to even go on par with teams like Bournemouth and Burnley. Never mind thinking about possibly breaking it in the top eight, top six. 
No, definitely. We'll get on to the Liverpool game in just a tad. Just a couple of questions from uh, from Twitter. Firstly, Chris Grieveson asks, what happens with the squad and Rafa this summer if Premier League status is maintained? Um, and would that affect the possible takeover? Would, if they're still below yeah. affected it? Yes, I don't think there's likely to be a takeover in the short term until Premier League status is confirmed. If there is, then, um, and once the TV deal is finalised, yes, we've got five of the seven packages sold, but two remain unsold. So exact price of how much Newcastle United will be available for is probably unclear still at this stage. I wouldn't expect to see any movement until the end of the season for those two factors, but... Um, if Newcastle do survive, I think there are de- is a decent chance that there will be renegotiations either with Amanda Stevenson and PCP or another interested party. In terms of Rafa Benitez's future, well, I suppose A, it depends if a takeover happens, and B, it depends if it doesn't, whether he can sit, talk to Mike Ashley and come up with some sort of a plan where he can invest more heavily in the squad because he certainly doesn't want to be fighting and struggling like he has been this season. Because, I mean, that is. The question is that no one really knows what Mike Ashley's intentions are in the summer. It doesn't look like a takeover is going to happen anytime soon. And even if Newcastle are still in the Premier League and, for instance, Amanda Steele does come back and she's interested, it's not going to happen overnight. And the window is a very short period of time in comparison to when the season ends and the season starts. It is a question that I'm sure Rafa will be really wanting to know and, of course, all the fans as well. It will be, and I suppose... That one area that Benitez is probably a bit more confident going into this summer, even given the fact there's three transfer windows in a row where he hasn't got what he wants, is that if Newcastle do survive, there is that guarantee of another year of Premier League money and Newcastle have, re- have recouped a lot from this year to pay for the Premier League budget they maintained in the Championship last year. So in theory, any of that TV money, anywhere between 15 and 100 million, should be available to Benitez to be able to spend on transfers. This is Mike Ashley, this is Newcastle United, so you can never be sure. Mm. But if Mike Ashley gives Rafa Benitez that guarantee that he can use that money going forward, then I think that there is a decent chance he will at least see out the last year of his contract. Fingers crossed. Uh, the other question is from Jamie, who asks, with a 21-day break coming up, obviously Spurs through the uh, sixth quarter-final of the FA Cup quarter-final, yeah. quarter-final. if only uh, Newcastle could manage that. Uh, yep. Yeah. Obviously, through to the quarterfinals, that's 21 days without a game. It's a long time. You know, football fans will be dreading it. We're dreading it. The, the players and Benitez will no doubt be dreading it. But in that time, suggestion that Newcastle could do a, hold a charity match for Hartlepool, do we see that happening? I mean, it's a bit of a risk playing, playing the players during that time. I've seen it? a lot of suggestions about this. I suppose you would say it would be a risk to a certain extent, but at the same time you like them to have at least some semi-competitive action during that period yes some of them will go off in the set in the, the last two weeks of that three-week period they'll go off for national duty so the likes of Slomani potentially the likes of Dubravka so some of them will get game time but for people like John Joe Shelby Isaac Hayden Matt Ritchie if he doesn't go back in the Ireland squad it's just Scotland squad sorry all these players won't have played in a good few weeks so Benitez may look at it as an opportunity to do something like that. If it was to happen, I wouldn't have thought you'd see a full Newcastle first team, maybe a few under-23s in there, a few of the youngsters out. At this stage, I'd say, I don't know of any plans for that to happen, but I think it would be a good initiative if they could do it, because to help out a fellow Northeast club, Northeast footballer who's gone through, gone through a very difficult time the last few years, um, and Hartlepool's a very 
very important to that town. So if they could help out in any way, then that would certainly be something I would support and hopefully the club are looking at things like that. Now just a quick message from our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by Powerhouse Fitness Newcastle, your home fitness store where you can save up to 50% off home fitness equipment in their biggest ever sale. No longer will you need to feel the unnerving sensation of another man's body heat on your saddle, sheepishly move weight under the gaze of the local beefcake, or put up with that atrocious gym music. You can support the podcast by visiting the Newcastle Powerhouse Fitness Store on Percy Street or their website at www.powerhouse-fitness.co.uk where right now you can save hundreds of pounds on treadmills, exercise bikes, weight, nutrition and home gym packages. Liverpool now, Saturday, tea time kickoff, long journey down especially in this weather. I know you're looking into what happens if the weather uh, in the northwest does get a little bit worse. They've been quite fortunate they haven't had as, well they haven't had anything I don't think as just bad as, snow but it's not lying I don't think not as bad as we've had it here um, football wise on the pitch Liverpool good side the, you know, the, the players have got up front are brilliant defensively they do have their moments where they are very vulnerable um, can Newcastle United get anything out of the game? Newcastle United can get something out of this game am I overly confident? no but that isn't to say that Newcastle don't have a chance I think that well, West Brom showed last month and what has been one of Alan Cardew's only very good results since he, he took over at the Hawthorns that if you go and have a go at them early uh, exploit those defensive issues then they can be got at but on that you would have to say Newcastle don't that's not Rafa Benitez's way to have a go at them at any point really in a game you could argue that to a certain extent look he is very much a I wouldn't say safety first approach but he, he likes organisation he likes his teams to be set up in a certain way but when they went to West Ham, they had a bit of a go on the break. Stoke, the same. This Newcastle side on the counter-attack can be very effective. They weren't born with two. Um, I very much expect them to set up in a similar sort of way. I think that it'll be the likes of Atsu, the likes of Kennedy, Gale on the break to try and pick off Liverpool when they do flood forward and attack uh, with that front three who are so dangerous and I, I can't see Newcastle keeping a clean sheet so I think they're going to need at least one goal probably two to even get a point um, they, they did that two years ago when really uh, they were in no sort of form whatsoever compared to what they are now that was sort of the beginning of the resurgence that they had or certainly early on in the resurgence they had under Rafa Benitez um, and look Benitez still has a connection with Liverpool but uh, he will want nothing more than to go back there and, and prove a point it's going to take Newcastle to have 90 minutes worth of concentration rather than the 80 minutes they did at Bournemouth because if they were to capitulate like that 10-15 minute period Liverpool could score 4 or 5 against you that's how good this side is they've put 7 past teams in the Champions League they beat Man City a few weeks ago 4-3 with a brilliant attack and display Mo Salah looks unstoppable Firmino his running Marnie the three of them they're so unorthodox and it's very difficult but I, st- I do think that Newcastle have an opportunity going there. Set pieces are going to be crucial if Kennedy can get his delivery right, if Matt Ritchie can get his delivery right. The midfield's going to be so important. Modi Armour's been playing well. And then Newcastle are going to have to be clinical, which is not something they necessarily have been too often this season. So I'd say the odds are very much against them, but I don't think it's a no-hole where it's a one of those ones. Newcastle, they would have had a complete free hit if they'd won last weekend, but the fact that they are still out of the relegation zone and the fact they're not expected to get anything in Anfield and then hopefully could look forward to, to trying to get three points against Southampton next week they can go into it and have a bit a bit more relaxed than necessarily they would have been a few weeks ago if they hadn't beaten Man United for example 
Fingers crossed. Obviously, we're waiting on news about John Joe Shelby, his knee injury that we've, we've mentioned there in the Bournemouth game. Uh, Michael Marino will be the one to, to replace him should Shelby be ruled out. It depends what approach Benitez wants to go for. In terms of the most like-for-like replacement, it would be Mikel Marino in terms of the ability to create from midfield a bit more dynamic. Isn't exactly like John Joe Shelby because he doesn't quite play that quarterback role, but he always looks to be positive. He always looks to be constructive in the way that he plays. So if it was like-for-like, then we could see Mikel Marino back in. He hasn't looked back to himself since he's come back from his the back injury he suffered in October still isn't quite up to, to form so he's got a point to prove so if he did play then it'll be interesting to see how he does and he did play against Liverpool alongside Shelby actually in the home game but if Benitez decides to go a bit more destructive in the middle I expect more Diarmi to continue just because of how well he's been playing but again away at Man City Isaac Hayden did play so he may look to have more of a shielding in midfield and then just have a few players on the break the likes of Atsu and Kennedy um, so me personally I think I would go for, for Marino but Benitez will have identified something and you might want given the creativity in Liverpool's midfield going forward as well and, and to, to basically block those three up front he might go for the two blocking def- uh, defensive midfielders instead or he could change formation altogether but I think that the likelihood is there will be at least two midfielders in there Do we think it's largely going to be the same team maybe Shelby out but it's like Gale up front the wingers Kennedy and Richie either side I wouldn't be surprised to see Atsu come in just because of the impact he made off the bench last weekend but he does tend to be a player who looks more effective off the bench actually so he may look at it that way would that be for Richie would that be for Kenny maybe even Iosi Perez Um, probably Richie I think I mean I actually thought Richie played quite well again the weekend but if he wants a bit more pace it depends what he's looking for Richie brings a bit of control Kennedy didn't look great the other day so he, he might have a point to prove but equally Benitez might think right if I take him out of the team for a week bring in someone like Atsu a bit more experienced so I think there'll, there'll be that change in midfield if Shelby isn't fit and I, I think it's unlikely he's, he's going to start and then maybe he's one or two other changes going forward I think that defence will largely stay the same although he has the option of Kieran Clark as well if he wants he may even go five at the back as well which he did away at Man City although I don't think he's likely to do that at Anfield it's a shame that Shelby may not play because obviously he'll have a point to prove. He was there for three years. Didn't really work. A lot of people say his temperament, his attitude perhaps. It's a reason he's now at Newcastle and not a Jordan Henderson kind of figure. It's Liverpool. But in a way, when he has had something to prove, it's not always gone to plan. So is it maybe better? Is it, it sounds weird saying this because we know how good he is at passing the ball and setting up attacks. But his temperament sometimes in them situations where he has got something to prove can get the better room and he can let the side down so is it a kind of uh, better the devil you know situation? To a certain extent yeah I mean Shelby would argue that he he has been learning he's spoken the last few weeks albeit not to us um, but to other media outlets that um, he's, he has learned he's got his little black book he speaks to psychologists two or three times a month but until he's really tested in those key Situations where he's got a point to prove. I don't think we're going to know yet whether he has really matured in that sense. He did it against Man United, but it's about doing it on a consistent basis in those high-pressure situations where he's likely to probably receive something from, from the crowd as an away player like he would at Anfield. I think to defuse the situation from not to be available isn't necessarily a bad thing in that sense, 
but then it requires someone like Mikel Marino or whoever comes in the side to provide the creativity and the ability to pick out a pass because John Joe Shelby was the one who got the well essentially got the assist for Hosselu earlier in the season that lovely ball which completely took out the Liverpool defence Newcastle hadn't really been in the game for large spells of that until that but he has that vision he's got the ability to do that and if he isn't in, in the team the onus needs to be on other players to, to bring that creative spark I suppose in a way if you've got Southampton and Huddersfield coming up you'd rather have them fully fit for them two games rather than risk them against Liverpool on Saturday where you know it's odd you expect Newcastle won't get, won't get anything well, Benitez has shown recently because he isn't going to risk anyone if he doesn't think they're 100% fit. He didn't do it with Slomani, who really could have played a couple of weeks ago if he'd really wanted to, but maybe his setback would have been even longer than it has been subsequently. So uh, Benitez isn't going to rush anyone. If, if Shelby isn't ready, Shelby won't be in the squad, never mind play. So uh, Hosselu didn't travel a couple of weeks ago because he had a bit of an illness. All these things, he's, he's not going to he's not going to risk those that. Premier League running every single game is important but uh, Newcastle it's better that Shelby misses one game than misses four the key player for, for Liverpool who's the one player that stands out we know they've got a lot of good players on their books but is one for you that particularly stands out yeah it would be more Salah and I mean that sounds like an easy answer but it is an easy answer because no matter what teams have tried to do to him this season in terms of the way they've tried to handle him he's always found an answer if it's on the counter-attack, we know how quick he is and that he's deadly and he, he moves around so much. He's not really a winger, he's not really a striker, he's not really an attacking midfielder. He's a combination of all those pre-mentioned and it's so difficult to track. And even when teams have sat deep against him, he has the ability just to jink inside. He did against Everton. It's the strength. Well, know, it's the strength and the ability to stay on his feet and he gets his shots away quickly. So he's a one-player who... I would be wary of but I'd also say he's the one player I don't think that he can no matter what the contingency plan is really 100% say we're going to deal with them and it's it's going to be very difficult to keep him out of the form he's on Best player in the Premier League would you say? On current form I'd say just about Harry Kane certainly up there as well Sergio Aguero would have an argument um, I think that on current form if I was to pick one player from any team to have at the moment I think it would be more so Grand so I'm sure Jamal Lascelles and his colleagues will have fun trying to keep him quiet. Um, I mean, what is the key ball? Is it Lascelles and Salah or is it Lascelles and Firmino? Obviously, we don't know who Klopp's going to pick, but you know we can assume it is going to be the lineup of the likes of Firmino and Salah. I mean, for you, the key battle? I think the key battle's in midfield. As I say, I don't know who necessarily is going to play in there alongside Diame, but Newcastle need to control that. They need to force Liverpool out wide because through the middle they will get torn apart if they do lose that the likes of Firmino even Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain recent weeks has been doing it those players who flood through the middle Marnie if you force Liverpool out wide they're not they haven't necessarily got that orthodox centre forward they can still be dangerous but I think Newcastle need to make sure that they remain competitive in the middle so Diarmi and either Marino or Hayden whoever plays in there have to make sure that Newcastle don't lose it because that's exactly what happened in the last 10 minutes against Bournemouth and Bournemouth just kept coming back at them if, if Newcastle do that against Liverpool Landfield then that goal difference which at the minute is looking quite healthy could really take a bad one which is nobody wants that essentially it's, a, it's kind of a, an extra point isn't it the, the good goal difference it is at the minute compared to some of the teams down there I think Huddersfield's goal difference is a lot worse Stokes is terrible um, but there's a few teams who are in and around what Newcastle have Brighton's is similar so Newcastle don't want to be 
suddenly seeing that as because at the minute it is it is like an extra point and they are essentially on thirty points compared to the likes of Stoke. If if they lose that, then it becomes uh, a lot more worrying in terms of going towards the end of the season and, and these teams because Southampton I think have quite a healthy goal difference as well. So a few teams are similar to them and they don't want to slip further down that. So we don't want another four three thriller. Well, four three wouldn't necessarily be terrible in terms of they'd only have one. The goals would be hit by one, and the goals four column would go up as well, um, which the goals four is, is is pretty dire compared to most of the teams even down there. Um, but I mean, three three would be lovely. <laughs> and is that your prediction? No, my prediction is three uh, one Liverpool. I'm afraid I don't have much optimism as much as I say that they can go and do something. I just think Liverpool are playing too well, um, and I think that. It'd be very difficult to stop Salah and Firmino who seem to score every game at the moment. So yeah, I'm going to go three-one, which I don't think will be a terrible result, as I say, because to lose just by two in Anfield compared to how much some teams have been turned over. West Ham hit for four last time out. But of course, we were sat here not a month ago, six weeks ago, saying the same thing about the Man United game, weren't we? We were saying, you know, it could be three-four. Neil Lukaku loves scoring against Newcastle. And there we are, Newcastle go, go away and win 1-0. Yeah, it's, as I said earlier, Newcastle can go there and win. I'm not saying they won't, I'm just saying my personal prediction is I think it'll be very difficult for them and, and it, to, to a certain extent. If the things are going wrong early on, they may just have to go for the damage limitation approach because you don't want to suddenly find yourself 4-0 down after an hour and really then your goal difference could take a hammer and if Newcastle fall behind early... I think they just need to get themselves organised and try and stay in the game as long as they possibly can and then see if they can nick one later on or keep the score down a little bit. But, yeah, as I say, just the way the form that they're on at the moment, they've only lost three league games all season. They're through, essentially, to the last eight of the Champions League. They're a very, very good team to watch and they're very, very good going forward, particularly at Anfield. So. And particularly against Newcastle. Well, yeah, Newcastle haven't won there since 94. Yes, that was the start throughout before. It's 21 league games that Liverpool have gone and beaten against Newcastle at Anfield. Won 17, drawn four, and they've also scored 89 goals in the Premier League against Newcastle. So the stats don't look favourably on Newcastle, but... But last time out, Newcastle got a draw there, so... There we go, and Jack Colback got the goal. How times change. I would like to say how brilliant it was to see Benitez enjoying the snow yesterday. Uh, and he's short, it takes a very brave man to uh, to do that. It does, um, which is strange because he was wearing tracks with bottoms last week, but that's because Newcastle were travelling fairly soon afterwards. To and that was the, the first thing that you noticed when it he said It was the first thing, because he usually wears his shorts, but he was out and about in the, in the snow yesterday in his, in his shorts, helping clear and just having a look at the pitches and the state of them and whatnot. And, uh, he, when, I, when I did put it to him last week he was just like oh well I've been to Russia when it's been minus 20 or whatever so it, it doesn't seem to phase him it's very much someone who has a certain attire he likes to wear and he thinks that is the best for him during that situation and yeah he's, he's certainly uh, as I saw a lot of people tweet seemed like a Geordie in those moments Chris Swaff School of Journalism the first thing you asked him was are you cold? well you know hard hitting reporting uh, I also just wish Newcastle fans who are travelling down a safe journey obviously the roads are going to be very treacherous so do uh, drive slowly and carefully and in terms of the game itself in terms of the postponement procedure as Andrew mentioned earlier we are currently making inquiries about that at this stage I'd say most parties are fairly confident the game itself is going to go ahead 
but I'm speaking to people of the Premier League, I'm speaking to people of both clubs, making inquiries as to what exactly the procedure is, and we will have an article up later on explaining exactly what's going to happen, and obviously if, if anything did happen with the postponement of the game or whatnot. And in terms of travel conditions, Chronicle Live, we've got plenty of stuff already up, news have written an article about the trains, which are a nightmare anyway, not just given the weather, there's strikes everywhere, so it really is the worst possible weekend. It's a uh, it's a bit of a vortex of everything coming together in the worst possible way for Newcastle fans. So just make sure you give yourself plenty of time to get there on Saturday. Take your time because conditions, driving-wise particularly, could be very, very difficult. You could be a traffic reporter. Well, thank you very much. And a man of many talents. Like Chris says, if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, you can keep up to date with all the latest Newcastle United news and the rest of this horrendous weather as well. We've got loads of updates. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?